Welcome to a bonus episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm thrilled to share with you a military spouse journey. For the next week, I'm going to join the Secretary of Defense as he travels to visit the troops in the Middle East for his holiday tour. Join me as we go on this ride on how it changes me, my marriage, and hopefully how it can better yours. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. Um, Matt and Corey Weathers here. We thought that even though it's right before Christmas, um, just two days I think now, we thought it would be a good idea to do a video together just to kind of wrap up a little bit um, the military spouse journey that we went on. And um, I know Matt did some great posts while I was gone as well that really resonated with a lot of you guys, um, military spouses for sure. And um, and I thought Matt could share with you a little bit of what we've discussed so far as far as what he felt maybe might have resonated with veterans um, and service members who have already deployed. So we thought we'd share a little bit of that as well as um, our perspective as far as this project goes on what it, what reintegration was like for us to swap roles. Um, this in no way mimics like a full deployment. We totally understand that. Um, but for the sake of the project, that was one of the questions that we got today, which was for us to discuss what was it like to kind mm -hmm. of this idea of reintegration um, with us swapping roles. So this is my lovely husband, Matt, my handsome husband, Matt. And um, so, um, and his awesome Christmas tree that he um, and my dad got set up for us to come home. We're still settling in and he did an amazing job. So you wanna just kind of start off and, and talk about what it was like to see me experience some things over there and Fenty and just whatever, really. Okay. so. To start off from from where we were at and, and what we were going through, I was finishing up the career course down at Fort Jackson. We were getting ready for a PCS up here to Virginia, uh, knowing that she was not going to be able to be here whenever we received household goods. So I at least knew that I'd be able to put anything wherever I wanted to put it as long as I could get out of a box. And I told her today that if she, uh, if she wants to move it around, then that's on her. So, great. So, there are some things that are already hung on the walls. He did a good and, job. Uh, so, that's about as far as we got. So, the house is livable, and the boys have an Xbox, and it's up and running. <clears throat> um, it was, to begin with, very interesting to watch the struggle that she had going into it and the feeling of guilt for having to leave. I mean, she had written something that's, uh, she's also, she's putting this into a book. But she had written something about feeling the push and pull of having a mission, having something she wants to go do, something she needs to go do, feels called to do, and also wanting to be at home and wanting to be there for the family, there for the kids, there to help get everything set up. Um, then especially right before the holidays, feeling like, you know, obviously she's not going to miss the holiday, but feeling like, uh, like it interrupts preparing for the holiday. So it was interesting to watch her go through that. And at some point in time, I, I told her, I said, you know, the, the experience of putting yourself in the other role doesn't just start whenever you get there. It starts in your preparation for it. Because we reflected back on prior to my deployments or even to a, a, a long-term mission readiness exercise that I've done a couple of times. Um, 
there is uh, there, there's the quiet, there is the kind of the everybody kind of starts to go their own separate way and they kind of make that division. There's um, not wanting to have any blow up arguments, but still you feel this tension of, you know, is this going to go ahead and get here so we can go ahead and get this over with? Uh, so it was neat to, saw, to, to see that in her and for her to experience that and to understand that's really kind of what it's like in my shoes uh, prior to, to heading out or, or for any service member prior to having, heading out. So there was that at least. I think um, if I were to, there's, there was so much that I experienced. There was no way I could put it in a blog or in a video each night. Um, I worked hard to really summarize all of that each day. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I'm really putting a lot of my thoughts down um, in, in kind of book form because there really was so many things to experience and too much to experience to be able to just sum it up each night. So um, One thing that I noticed today, and now we're talking about the event while you're, yeah. while you're gone. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about reintegration? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So we talked about this uh, at Panera today. Um, and I thought about it for – Couples where they're dual military or uh, one of the spouses has been prior service and is no longer in, there was almost, for me, there was a jealousy on my part watching what she was going to get to experience. Um, I love flying around. I love catching rides on C-17s, Blackhawks, uh, Chinooks, any any airframe. I'm amazed by it, and I think it's just a blast to go around. It's an adventure. And so there was a jealousy on my part. To watch her go have this adventure and even though I'm happy for her I'm excited that she's going to do it and it was a blast there was also a little bit of like oh man I would love to be going to do that but it uh, comforted me when she would reflect at night about how she now saw in me why I like to go do that why mm-hmm. it just fulfills me why it brings me purpose and, and gives me that mission mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to drink a lot of tea today because I'm We've been we've been talking about how um, we both kind of when I got back, it was almost like um, and I'm going to get a little spiritual here and that's okay. um, that God really held off sickness for us. And there was much grace in that with how stressed we were, with how trying to get everything pulled together. And we both really stayed well through everything um, and how, you know, in the last two days, we both kind of felt the weight of all of that stress. And so he's, you know, I, I laughed because, you know, most of us military wives talk about service members coming home with the crud is what they call it. <laughs> and so either the service member comes home sick or he comes home and gets the rest of the family sick. And so I've, I've been kind of laughing a little bit, not laughing at you that you're sick, but <laughs> laughing that I'm going to shut the Christmas tree off because that flicker, the flicker. you've enjoyed the Christmas tree long enough. We're going to yes. shut it off now. Um, But just talking about how now that we've had a chance to rest, um, it, it really is our adrenal glands are recovering from all of the stress. Actually that the lighting is so much better. Anyways, I I look great. (laughs) Just kidding. You look great. The Christmas tree was so working against you in that moment. Anyways. Now we know why they don't put Christmas trees in in magazine articles or anything. They're just... Bare bones are not so, available in commercial products. Anyways, we're we're recovering, and so we've been talking about how that's very similar to I think after deployment. And so, all right, so let's let's jump into reintegration. People have asked us about mm. to cover what it was like for us to reverse roles in mm-hmm. reintegration, and 
I think what was surprising to me, now I know that I didn't get to adjust really to the time zone. It was only a week. And so what happened with me is I really didn't get a time to adjust to any time zone. So by the time, and I was going off of very little sleep because the schedule was crazy. And maybe that is similar to what service members go through. When I talked with them as far as random schedules, you never know if they're going to be there for like a day and have three hours to talk with family members or whether they're going to be so busy, they don't have time to talk at all. But I know for me, when I got home, um, my, my body was shutting down. Like I, I just remember like thinking if I, I have, my brain is like counting down from 10. And if I don't get to the bed by one, I think my, my whole body's just going to crumble to the floor. And mm-hmm. so, um, I, I know it was interesting to feel the jet lag and wanting so badly to come home and, and come home and just spend time with family, but to get here like a finish line and just needing to crash and trying to be present for everybody, but needing to crash. And, um, and I'll tell you what Matt did that he obviously knows this side of it. And what he did for me that, um, I so greatly appreciated was he really served me and really like made decisions for me. Like, um, we went out to eat on the way home and I even, it was, I felt like he kind of made decisions on what helping me what to eat. Um, he really just helped me get to the bed so that I could fall asleep. And then, um, serving me even the next morning by having coffee ready for me. And, and those were all things that meant so much to me. And I know those sounds like, sound like little things, but, um, just to feel like I didn't have to make any decisions while I was recovering and, and his grace in telling me, you know, for the next like three days, whatever you need to take care of you. And he was like, I'm going to give you what you need to keep your body healthy. And then we'll, we'll I'll see you on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And today was really the first day where I felt like, wow, I'm awake. I'm functioning. I feel like I'm present and I have energy to do things. Um, and so it was interesting to be on that side of things where, um, where before I was letting you recover and I was happy to let you recover, but to feel all of that on this side And this morning, Matt really needed to recover. He needed, he had worked so hard here at home that his body really needed some rest. And so um, I think you kind of felt bad for that a little bit, but I really just was like, we talked about the importance of taking turns and having grace for each other and how we don't need to feel guilty for that or bad for that, that, that there is this push and pull and taking, being graceful with each other and just checking in and making sure that each person has what they need. Um, and having, I guess, a priority list of who needs it first the most. Um, and so it was, it made me, I told him it made me happy to give that to you so that you could go rest this morning. Cause I felt better. So what would you say as far as reintegration stuff? She hit on a key piece there about grace. Um, you have to be graceful with the other person and, and recognize where they're at and what they need. They need to be able, to, they need to be honest and feel the openness to communicate and, and say what they feel like they need in that moment. You may even need to make a plan and say, Hey, I, I need an hour. Um, and, and to not feel bad about it and to also be graceful with yourself. I was pretty apologetic this morning that I was just completely not functioning. And, uh, I don't know if it was just my body. It just like, was like, and we're done, you know, career course, you moved out, you moved in, you received everything back. It's been a full speed sprint for the last three weeks. So you're done. Sometimes your body just tells you that and you have to listen. Um, 
I think that really resonated with me because um, I think as spouses a lot, we tend to get frustrated when our service member comes home and needs to rest and we're good with letting them rest, but we're kind of like anticipating when are we going to get that break Um, because it's been a really long time and you're ready to hand the kids over and have some time to yourself or couple time or whatever. And so, you know, I think for a lot of spouses, there's this frustration, especially when the military is saying, you know, oh, let them rest and we're fine with that. And then there's like, well, now don't do anything that will upset them. And now, you know, and so spouses can get frustrated when you feel like there really is no end in sight. And so I think the importance as a couple to be able to check in with each other and make sure you're giving each other that ample grace and time to rest that you need is extremely important. And I think that um, we really paid attention to that this time as far as what do you need versus what do I need? And are we taking care of our body? Because when that adrenal gland is shot, it is connected to all of your hormones, both male and female, testosterone and estrogen. And so when you have been... um, Your adrenaline has been going pretty heavy and pretty strong for a really long time. Both men and women are going to feel that differently, but overall you're going to feel like an extreme fatigue and probably irritability. And and what that feels like when your adrenal gland is shot, you're not handling stress well. And usually that... That sounds like you're just really tired, but actually it can also mean that you're extremely anxious and you can't calm down from stress and you're just anticipating stress all the time. And I know that's something that we were starting to feel. So for us, with all the stress that we've had in the last few months, actually, we're on support um, and supplements for our adrenal glands just to recover um, and take care of ourselves. So you've got that going on physically or physiologically. And then add to that the emotion of how you think you should feel or what you should be thinking or what, how you should be acting. There's a lot of shoulds in there. And so there's an emotional component to that. There's a physiological component of what your body is able to do, uh, what your body can't do in that moment. Uh, and then there's also feeling bad for uh, not being able to do that in that moment or not being able to, to stay awake. Uh, and so you can't really put that on yourself. You really just kind of have to be graceful with yourself graceful with the other person and you have to maintain forthright communication. I think it was a really good example for her last week of not having a great schedule of what the last five to six, sometimes seven days of uh, redeployment looks like. Because uh, depending on air availability, you may be waiting two or three nights in a row up at, uh, you know, up at zero three for a bag drop to, to drop your bag and then showtime is at zero five and then you're waiting for four, six, 10, 12, who knows how many long hours until you actually board the plane. Mm-hmm. And then depending on where you're at location-wise, you may have, you may have to d- repeat that process three or four times before you actually catch the flight on the way home. And I know that when we caught a flight home on the first deployment, we landed in Maine but could not continue on to Fort Carson because they had already gone past their, this is how long we can fly a window. So that messed things up for her. And at the same time, actually got a good night's sleep in a hotel in Maine. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got to understand the last week of the, the first week of deployment, and the last week of redeployment, neither one of those are easy for the service member or for the spouse because the spouse or the, is, is anticipating, okay, when's it going to happen? When's the, when's the, the knock on the door going to happen? The bag going to drop in here and everybody and we're all back. And uh, or the welcome home ceremony, 
And the service member is, when can I actually take my boots off, take a shower and crash? So uh, just takes a lot of grace in those moments uh, with one another. I was going to look up some of the questions that they yeah. had. Um, while I do that, why don't you share your perspective on, because I know a lot of spouses really enjoyed your posts. And so maybe share a little bit about what it was like from a spouse perspective, uh-huh. um, being here at home and not knowing when I was going to call and... Oh, that was that was uh, that was the first time because on our first deployment we had no cell phones and um, I would never go down to the internet cafe I, and I think Facebook was blocked at that time or YouTube was or something I don't know <laughs> um, but I was still able to call her from the office um, but she was not able to call me ever because I didn't have a phone number so the most she could do was email and then just wait for a response so there was a lot of waiting on her part. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew she was getting up early in the morning, and she and the entourage were gone for the entire day. And uh, on my watch, I had, had it set for what time uh, she was at in her time zone, even though she was bouncing around to different countries. Um, <clears throat> so it was – I don't think it was frustrating for me because I knew – I was giving her the grace that I hoped that, – that I knew that I had when I was going through it experientially though I can understand what it means like um there was there I think there was one day where it was like okay well she should be back by now she should have posted something by now she should have sent me a Facebook message and hey I'm back to the hotel and everything went did great you by wonder now. did you wonder when that happened <laughs> if it was just that I just didn't feel like checking in with you or did you feel like maybe I was unsafe or what was your brain saying as far as how I hadn't checked in yet oh I I, and this is a thing that you have to do in marriage. And so I try and practice too. Um, I believe that she's doing her best and I believe the best about us. So what I was doing mentally that was helping me that I encourage other people to do is to, to envision her, to envision your spouse doing something awesome. I mean, I was picturing that she was networking and helping people. And I, and I know that if she ever gets into a situation where she's counseling or offering advice, She's all in in that moment. So in those moments, I wasn't worried about your safety or security. I was literally like, you know what? I wonder, I can't wait to hear what awesome thing she's actually literally doing. Mm-hmm. I bet she's gotten pulled by one of those reporters who has some sort of, you know, family problems. And, <laughs> and is like, oh, you're a counselor. You're a therapist. You should be able to help me on this. Well, and I think that that's a difference between <clears throat> you knowing what it's like to be gone and, and not knowing what the schedule's going to be like versus... Yeah. I mean, I, there was times for me as a spouse when it was like, I, I don't know. I think I, I always felt like you were probably doing something important and mm-hmm. you couldn't call for that reason. But I've heard from other spouses who've said, you know, usually he can call at this, one, at this time. Is it just that he doesn't feel mm-hmm. like calling and so he's just not going to call or um, is he's not safe or, or whatever? So I think um, for me, this is what we've been talking about, is that um, a, there's a lot of themes big themes that came from this, but one of the bigger ones that I've been thinking even still about is this, um, idea of, I know it sounds crazy. Um, but I was really surprised in a good way to see how excited so many service members were to do their job. And it was really great for me to be excited for them for, for enjoying, if I can put this into words, they loved what they did, especially when I got to like see them actively doing it, them flying their plane or them a crew chief in the helicopter or whatever for them to see, to see them thoroughly enjoying their job when they were doing it. 
Um, but even some of the troops that I saw at Fenty, the scouts that I uh, from 10th Mountain that were at Fenty, to see them smiling and enjoying their job, um, of course you would want them to enjoy their job. But um, and I wasn't expecting everybody to be miserable um, either. So, but so, but it surprised me to you know we tend to say, oh, you're deployed. Point, Poor you, you're missing everybody at Christmas and you just must be miserable over there and you must just wish that you were home. And, and you know, we often see our service members training back at home. We don't usually get to see them doing what they actually love to do. And so I think when they saw me thoroughly excited about their job too, and I think they saw it through fresh eyes and were like, yeah, I really do enjoy my job. Like, I'm, I'm glad you see that I enjoy my job. And so... I think that the best way that I can put that is just because somebody isn't, that somebody can love what they're doing during deployment doesn't mean that they don't love their family and doesn't mean that they don't miss being home with their family, but they can be happy doing what they're called to do. And that doesn't equate to them not loving us back at home. Mm -hmm. And so seeing them happy, um, made me so much more excited about them doing what they love to do. I hope that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it made me willing to release you even more to do what you love to do because I knew that you're called to do that and, and I get to see you doing some similar things back at home. But I thought about the ones that were flying planes and, you know, that's not something spouses usually get to sit in and watch them do very often. And so, um, they weren't that miserable. They were, and, and even for like Christmas, and I mean, the Christmas decorations were minimal, but them telling me how really Christmas isn't about the decorations and Easter isn't about the decorations. It's the fact that they make a way to enjoy the family that they have there and still have a great time. And you mentioned to me today about how your Christmases over there may not have been the most decorative, but they were some of the best Christmases that he ever had. And that makes sense to me because even as a spouse, some of the best Christmases and holidays that I've had were with family members that felt like family, even though I didn't, I couldn't be with family because it was an incredible time to be together. So, um, so one of the questions that we got is, um, what links do the two of you go to meet each other's needs, wants, desires, dreams, and realities? What, to what length do we go? <laughs> It's a crazy question, but I mean, I would, I think it's an important question. Okay. And so, that is, well, <clears throat> I think we whatever length we need to go. Um, well, you have to break up what is a need, what is a want, what is a desire and what is a dream? Uh, and, and then the last one says reality. Um, it, here's the thing. Once you are able to define what each one of those is and whether they're realistic and whether they fit into your family mission and whether they fit into your morals and ethics, then you can then decide, you know, what is viable? Can we do it? You know, mm -hmm. there's a, can we do it? There's a, should we do it? Yeah. Um, there is, uh, uh, setting a, a timeline for that. So, um, really once you're able to discuss that with one another to say, Hey, you know, um, uh, a, a simple thing is, um, like Corey loves to bake and I want to uh, eventually I would love to have the best baking equipment for her. That's a, a dream, a desire, a want, and kind of almost a need with this is, is really key as it is for her. But, um, you know, I can't afford the, or I mean, 
yeah, we're not going to sell a car to, to get the, the Uber, you know, yeah. grain mill dough mixer that she wants. Okay. So, so I would go to any length to do that um, and put that need before mine. But right now it's not viable. So I've got to be able to help set expectation for her to go, yeah, we're going to get there, you mm -hmm. know, at some point. Uh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe next, next week. week. <laughs> um, but uh, you've got to be able to define your needs, dreams, wants, desires, and whether they fit in. And that also, you know, uh, so there's a financial component. There's a relational component. There's an intimacy component because I'm kind of reading through the lines of going, a lot of people come to their intimacy going, this is a need that I have when really it's kind of a desire. Mm -hmm. And you have to find out where that desire comes from and whether or not it's a good and a, and a pure and a holy desire mm -hmm. and whether it's something that needs to be entertained within a marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's something you need a third party to, to intervene and say, hey, you know, no, that doesn't meet. Uh, that's not a need. That's a desire. And it's not actually going to add to your relationship. It's going to take away from it. So then I would advocate that you uh, that mm -hmm. you figure out where that desire actually comes from. Mm -hmm. So uh, I could give a very long answer to that. I will say that um, I've got her for a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I pledge that for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, I understand my mission on earth is to serve her and to uh, make her a better person. Sometimes that's going to be meeting her needs and sometimes it won't mm -hmm. be. Sometimes it will be going, hey, you're going to have to be a big girl and you're going to have mm -hmm. to do that yourself. Good for you. Yeah. And you're going to grow through that and I can't help you out. Right. There's some things that um, I, there are some things, I think this is just what you were saying, is that um, there are some things that I'm, we aren't meant, meant yeah. we aren't meant to be the answer to the other person. Mm. Um, so I think that was a really good answer. Um, so this was a really important question, I think, which is, um, um, I would love to hear more about what to share, what not to share when you're separated. I remember when my husband was deployed, I worried about how much to tell him. Do they want to hear all the mundane details or they want to share what's, do they, do they want to share what's going on over there? The good, the bad. So basically how much do you share when you're deployed? Mm. And I think that's a tough question, but a really good one. And I heard both extremes. Um, while I was talking with troops over there, there was a, one person that was like, I don't want to hear anything. I just want to like, um, focus on what I need to do and it makes the days go faster. And there was somebody else that said that in a previous deployment, they shared everything and vented their frustrations. Um, and I think that for me, I think that the answer was somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, when I first left for this trip, Matt at first said, you know what, I want you to be so focused on the mission. You're not <clears throat> going to hear from me much at home. Um, I want you to be so, and I'm releasing you to be fully focused on that. And while I appreciated his permission that um, gave me the permission to not feel like I, I had to fully check in and do lengthy emails, if, if I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it, and he'd be okay with that. Um, I will say that by the third, fourth day, it was nice to hear what was going on back at home. Um, but I did, feel, I did feel a little bit of the tension as far as I didn't know if I had time. I mean, you were getting the videos, mm -hmm. but I, wasn't, I didn't have the time to really reply in a lengthy email. But I think I knew because he gave me the permission to go mm -hmm. um, and, and not feel like I had to worry back at home that you weren't going to take offense if I couldn't do a long email. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I got from talking to troops during the trip was... Um, 
that they really wanted to hear what was going on at home. Um, here's, here's a great answer that I got, and then I want you to answer. They really wanted to hear what was going on at home, and it gave them a nice relief and, and break from, and made them feel connected. What they didn't want was hearing all the things that they felt powerless to fix. Yes. Um, so they appreciated when spouses talked to other spouses and got the support that they needed on things that they needed to vent on and that they couldn't, that they could fix back at home. So if it made them feel helpless, then that wasn't helpful. Um, but if it was just hearing back at home, what's going on, then it made them feel connected. Mm-hmm. Do you think they can hear our kids screaming at the beginning? Probably. Do you want, oh, you, well, I'm hooked up, so you're going to have yeah, to go say something. <laughs> um, so I think, um, it was extremely helpful to me to hear that. Um, I really liked hearing stuff back at home and how things were going. Um, I don't know, Matt will probably be able to share a little bit more about what it was like here, but he, I mean, I also was sending videos. Um, I'll come let Matt speak about that in a second, but somebody else had asked me from a clinical perspective, um, what about like sharing tra- trauma and, and all the good and bad and the ugly as far as that's concerned. I think coming from the other direction, and I want you to share this as well, um, I think that, again, if it's sharing things that makes the other person feel extremely powerless and worried and anxious, then it may not be helpful. So, for instance, um, you went through a few things during the deployment <coughs> that you didn't tell me about until you got home mm-hmm. because I think it would have made me worry. Um, and I honestly, I was glad that you didn't tell me some of that until you got home. So, yeah, um... We're an oddity in the fact that I know that my wife is a therapist and she hears bad stuff. Uh, And so we have a little bit more of leeway to be able to compartmentalize because we have to practice it professionally. And so sometimes we can actually bring that to bear within our relationship. I don't assume that everybody has that capability to be able to put things in pretty little boxes and to say, okay, now I'm not listening to you as your husband or your wife. Now I'm listening to you as as a caregiver kind of in that capacity, even though there's still a component there of this is my spouse and, and I and I feel bad for what they're going through. Um, I think that uh, you need to communicate clearly, um, not just what you want to hear, but the method of communication. It's easier for me to read uh, technical information coming from Corey. Hey, the car completely died. Here's all of the options. Here's everything that I've been talking about. Uh, it's easier for me to do that in an email than it is for her to tell me over the phone because I can read it and kind of pick apart and then maybe jot some notes and and reply and go, have you thought about this, this, and this? Um, Or if she's just saying, hey, you know, here's our courses of action, A, B, and C, which one do you think we should do? Um, Or sometimes she just says, hey, we chose A, and I go, fantastic. There's a decision I didn't have to make today. Um, So you have to communicate clearly about that on the flip side, after reintegration, um, mm-hmm. I think it helps for couples to go into counseling, possibly not to work specifically on the stuff between them, but for a spouse to sit kind of in an objective third party while their service member opens up. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of great precedent for that, uh, for warriors coming back 
in other cultures where the warriors would come back and they would talk uh, within their own groups and then the the village would sit around and listen. Oh, I love that. Um, because you're not, I'm not telling her. I get to tell somebody else, but she can then w- like watch what's going on in me. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I've gotten together with my, you know, veteran friends uh, and we have those conversations, I know that there are listening ears that kind of pick up on things. Mm-hmm. And then she'll ask me questions later. And I'm like, I didn't, because here's the thing. We both, both stateside and deployed, you have such an experience. It's so real. It's so visceral. You're so in it. You forget to make a mental note and go, somebody may want to know about this later. Mm-hmm. This, this may have, this may resonate. It, it'll change you in the way that you um, interact with the world, in the way that you process information, in the way that you respond to certain triggers out there. And your spouse will only see the effect of that. They didn't see why that happened. And so then you get into an interaction where you're like, why did that just happen with you? What's going on? Why, why did it matter that I moved your stationary? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the problem with that? You, you totally blew up at me. Mm-hmm. And then the spouse is like, oh, well, you didn't know that every night I would sit down and actually open that drawer and sit and write notes with that stationary. And that was part of my routine and part of the way that I did things. Uh, to make life easier for me, okay? And so we both have routines, but you develop it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it has, I think it's really good. And it should not just happen, you know, just with a service member. I think it's actually good for the service member to pay attention when spouses are having their conversations mm-hmm. and to honor the support that spouses give one another stateside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course I say stateside, but that that, that also means for, for Oconus locations mm-hmm. where you're, where your service member is deployed, but you're still there, uh, kind of in the garrison environment. Um, but I think that, ha- I mean, cause I, being able to watch Corey's interaction with the spouses that she grew exceptionally close with during the, uh, during deployments, um, really shows me how well she did during that. Does that make sense? And so I, you can't even reply. Just <laughs> nod your head because it does. Um, so it, it's a both and. And you've got to be observant. And you've got to then ask, hey, that's a different way. That's a different thing. I've never heard that. Can you unpack that a little more? And I'll put this with this huge big caveat. There are many traumatic events that should not be handled at home. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be talked about. At home, I mean, we we keep talking about counselors because you got to have a place to go drop that stuff off. I mean, somebody the, once gave me the analogy of when when it comes out of you, it has to land somewhere and it has to land on yeah. someone, and that the the hearer of that carries that burden then for you mm-hmm. or helps you then carry it. And so there are some things that shouldn't be just shared with a spouse where they end up carrying that. It's almost, it's called vicarious traumatization, meaning once you share the details of that, then a spouse may feel traumatized from hearing those gruesome Mm -hmm. details. So, so a good example of how that might work, you know, if you sitting there are a counselor and I'm sitting here telling you about, you know, the hard time that I had when the refrigerator broke and, and and I'm just saying that because I'm staring at a fridge right now, but 
you know, and then the ice machine leaked and it got all over the floor and I was just having a conniption fit and everything was bad. And I'm just sharing this with you because the refrigerator breaking was a traumatic event. And Corey is sitting there. Then the therapist can work through that with me and then can turn to my spouse and go, now, how do you feel about hearing about how that impacted him? What's going on inside of you? So then now I get to know she not only knows, she gets to process in a safe environment Mm -hmm. And then we kind of reform because we've been split mm-hmm. and we are able to kind of reform with a knowledge where, where each other is coming from and, uh, and to be able to reform our family, reform our, our concept of the world, reconcept, our concept of us individually. So I think, I think it has a lot to do with um, sharing in a safe environment. And I, I think that comes back to when, if it's just the two of you, then when, when he's sharing it, I'm also, if he, it's just me, then I'm processing how I feel about that, mm-hmm. how I feel about how he feels about that. If there's a disconnect going on between the two of us and should I be worried about that yeah. and who do I need to be for him right now? And that's just too much, much to yeah. sort through where I love the idea of being kind of this third person outside. Yeah. So, so when I tell people to go for couples counseling, it's not just because, oh, well, we have a communication or a trust issue or something. It is go to couples counseling so you can work out some individual stuff in a safe place also so that your spouse can then hear that's what's going on with you because they not only are trying to figure out how trying to be there and minister to you in the moment, they're also trying to deal with their own stuff. And that's too much of a tension going on. Yeah. So I definitely think that couples need to know what's gone on in each other's lives. I think what we're saying is that there needs to be a good method in the way that you do it. I I definitely, I don't think either one of us would recommend hiding traumatic experiences from the other so that we just don't know what's happened. And here we're seeing this huge effect in our spouse's life and don't, and then we feel helpless. So we definitely need to know what's gone on and what our spouse is struggling with. We're just introducing a method in the way that you do talk about it. And I know in a previous video I shared, you know, that I definitely wouldn't recommend people digging for answers. Um, But if you see that there's some destruction going on in your relationship because it's not being talked about, then that would be the extreme of we need to get help. We need to find ways that are healthy to talk about it. So there doesn't need to, we're, we're basically saying don't be on either extreme. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be like overly talking about it, obsessing about it, and that it's you're, you're dependent on your spouse to be your therapist. Mm-hmm. And we're also not talking about avoiding it and hiding it and drowning ourselves in video games or something where it's like, you know, we're not addressing it at all. There needs to be a healthy balance. And when you find yourself in a place where, you know what, I don't know if I can be this person. I can't be your wife and your therapist or your, you know, all at the same time, we need to bring in a neutral person. Um, But I absolutely love this idea of this village mentality that you introduced, which is how can I watch you with, with either a therapist or with your battle buddies or whatever, and respect that circle that's happened Um, and sit on the outside and feel like I can um, not completely be on the outside. I can understand you within the circle that that happened in. So So in your experience, you you had a lot of videos where you kept saying, I had no idea. I had no idea. Now that you had an idea, how did that reform the way that you see the way that I interact with the world? In general? um, There was a lot of things that I felt like I didn't, because I really concentrated, like I said in the previous videos, I really concentrated on how does these separate 
sacred experiences actually separate us. You know, we've accepted it for so long. And so I think that by forcing myself to, to really put myself in your shoes and imagine myself in these settings, which I think anybody can do from anywhere mm -hmm. if we work hard enough. Um, I think as spouses, we need to get away from just accepting that there's going to be these sacred things that I'll never understand. There are some things that when we try hard enough, we can actually work really hard and care enough about our spouse to put ourselves in their shoes and try to imagine it. Um, so I think that in some ways, it, I felt like it re-knit us. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I had a better appreciation for the things that you enjoyed and the things that you didn't enjoy and that I could imagine you frustrated by those things. I could imagine you excited about these other things. And in that way, I felt like it closed the gap of these unshared experiences and feel a little bit closer to you. Um, as far as things that I didn't know, um, I, you know, it was little things like seeing the cots that everybody was, was sleeping on. It's not what I expected. I didn't know that they were that low to the ground. I didn't know that. I mean, there was like this much space between the top bunk and the bottom bunk. And I was like, oh, like <laughs> I didn't know. Um, I knew that he had talked about having to put all his gear on to go outside the tent, to go to the bathroom and walk across the gravel. Um, but having to walk on that gravel and it was just for a day. Um, you know, to stand there and like, look at the distance, I didn't know, you know, um, there's a and whole that lot looked, of planning that goes into uh, biological functioning. <laughs> it just, so I think, um, I tried really hard. I only had a week. And so I tried really hard and I exhausted myself really trying to put myself yeah. in your shoes, um, for the week that I had. And so I think it just made me feel an appreciation for the things that you went through um, so that I felt like I could have even more compassion. The next time you come home, I have more compassion for when you take the boots, your boots off and walk on the carpet and, and want to have a stay at home day and not want to walk around and put on shoes. And I like, I'm like, you know what? Take your boots off. Let's spend a, you know, a day at home, not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Sleep when you want to sleep. Let's go when you want to go somewhere instead of somebody always telling you where to go, and where to be <coughs> when you need to be there. Um, so it gives me an ability to serve you more in those times and, and really like, what do you need and when do you need that? And, um, and I know because we have a good enough relationship that when it is my time and you are replenished, that you're able to give those things back, but that there is a joy in serving each other, um, back and forth. And so I feel like I have more things to give and more ways to be compassionate. I think the last thing is that if you did have to deploy again, I think, and this is really big for me, is that when I see the, the disconnect that starts to happen before you go, and when I see that part of you that is looking forward to it, whether it's a forward to the mission, the calling, the excitement, the camaraderie, the, um, that... I won't take offense to it, mm -hmm. that I won't feel like you'd rather be there than at home. Like, I, I think that it'll be easier for me to let you go do what you do well, and what you feel called to do, and that I can, I'll be able to give you the release that you gave me, the permission to just, <clears throat> just go and we'll be okay, and that I 
am happy with my calling here at home and that it's okay for you to go and do what you need to do and that I don't feel resentful and I don't feel, um, I don't, and I don't feel second either. Mm-hmm. So um, it can be both. It can be both. And so I think that was a big thing for me. So, so that like big things for me? Yeah, if you have any, and then we'll wrap up. Um, being, uh, I, for spouses, be graceful with what you're able to accomplish. Um, Did you learn that? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I possibly uh, attempted to do more than I probably should have in getting the house ready for her to come home. Um, I wish I could have done more. I wish it could have all been set and she could have walked in and, you know, there would have been banners and streamers. Um, and hey, welcome home. Everything's good. But as you can see, you know, there's still perfection is you know, not the goal. Things that aren't hung on the wall. <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of stuff that was on the floor back here that we moved for the video. Uh, so um, be graceful with yourself. Uh, service members, um, go out of your way seriously to communicate to your spouse um, how graceful you are with them. Uh, about uh, the state of them personally or the house, you know, whatever they were able to accomplish is what they were able to accomplish. Uh, to not push yourself too hard to um, to break yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that if if you do have a standard time that you call or that you send an email or a text, because that's that's a whole lot better now. Uh, the capability is is better now uh, over Wi-Fi. Um, then then do that as much as possible. Uh, even if you're like, hey, I can't talk, but everything's cool, and this is usually the time that I check in. And on the flip side, <clears throat> from home, um, expect that they're doing their best and, it, and believe the best about them. Mm-hmm. And don't get wrapped up in some downward spiral of catastrophic thinking. Uh, that's not going to do anybody good. Um, and it probably will set you up for a bad conversation whenever the next conversation happens mm-hmm. um, to be encouraging. And if there's a lack of information coming, that doesn't mean there should be a lack of information going out. If, uh, if she can't call or if she couldn't call then and I can just send a text or I, I can send on text, a, a Facebook yeah. message mm-hmm. or an email. These are the things I would tell you if we were on the phone right now and I would let you know this. Um, it does no good to, to vent. I, I could find somebody here home to vent with rather than vent to her uh especially if if there's something that she's doing that's frustrating me um it does no good to to work that out over the phone to try unless you do it in a very constructive way to say hey i I know that you don't want me to feel mad because our relationship is great i know that you like for me to be a happy person and joyful and i also know that you like for me to have peace um, you may or may not know that if you do or don't do this, uh, it disrupts my peace. Um, so just to let you know, you know, I, I own the fact that I'm in charge of my own personal emotions, but I also want to give you the power to know how to influence my emotions in that moment. Um, you know, not everybody can go down range, but I mean, golly, if helicopters were a huge thing, that may be you save up money and the next time you go on a vacation, you go up in a helicopter ride. So the person goes, this is what you were experiencing. You're like, yes, you know, or you go on a space, a flight or you, you go to the local, you know, do something that brings your spouse into the environment and shows them what you do. 
and shows them why you love it and explain why you love what you do and why it matters so much. Don't keep a separation between work and home so much because if your spouse sees that you resent work or doesn't know why you love it, it makes it that much easier for them to resent it. Yeah. So we have so much more that we can cover and we will cover in the future. <clears throat> but um, thank you for all of your support. Thank you for all the positive comments. And I've gotten great emails and messages of the difference that it's made in, in somebody's marriage. And that's all. That's the only reason why we do what we do. And um, we're thrilled about that. And so we hope to provide more for you soon. Um, but we are going to obviously enjoy Christmas and rest, and we'll see you guys probably in January to February sometime. So um, keep your thoughts coming. Share the military spouse journey. People can always go back and, and watch it beginning to end, and that's why I did, did it the way that I did it. So um, thanks for all of the support and positive comments and, and comments towards Matt's postings as well, and so we'll continue to compile all that. So until next time, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>